Let's sing it again. Everybody with all your hearts. Oh, I bless your name. I bless your name. I give you honor. Lord, I give you Looking at what we looked at on Sunday, how our Lord became so poor. Not just poor that he didn't have property, but poor in the way that he was treated. It ought to make us want to give him praise, honor, love, everything that we can give him as his children. Should it not? Thinking of how that he left all those great riches in heaven and became so poor. Brother Darrell and I was talking about it, Brother J.D., before the service, I, I couldn't believe really. I've looked at that scripture all these years, and after I got to speaking about it on Sunday, I thought, how could you look at something for so long? But I, I knew that the scripture said that he, through his poverty, we might be made rich, and he became so poor. But if it was only material things, then he became poor materially, so we'd become rich materially but we're not. So how did he become poor? Well, you reverse that and you see how we become rich. He was robbed of all that was his, gave it all away. And then what does he do? Constantly praises us. Constantly telling us how he loves us, how much we mean to him. So he gave us the riches that he himself laid aside to come to this earth to redeem us. I want to make you love him. I greet you tonight in the name of the Lord Jesus. Certainly an honor for us to be together. <clears throat> Let's turn, if you would, again, 2 Timothy chapter 3, tonight, verse 1. Certainly appreciate each of you that are here. <clears throat> 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. <clears throat> Many of the uh, um, end time scriptures that were spoken from the Old Testament and the New, God would cover varied things and conditions that would describe the end time. But Paul, in writing it, had his own way, as every man did. And in 2 Timothy 3 and also in 2 Thessalonians, he writes in such a way that is unique. It's called the Pauline style and in the way that he describes such things. Let's read together. This know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. Now, first of all, he describes the, the days themselves. Now he's going to go into a description of the individuals that are going to live in this day. And I want you to notice the very first thing that he says. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. So this is the very first adjective that he used to describe, compound adjective, what the people of the end time will be. 
Now keep this in mind as we read down through these verses. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. But notice where all this stems out of. Lovers of their own selves. Without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded. Paul, what are you doing closing this out again about love? Now notice, first he starts out with lovers of their own selves. Notice how he ends it. Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. So what's going to be the whole scenario of all this conglomeration of the people in the last days? Their love life. It's what they love. The whole thing is based upon love. In, in reality, the reason people don't serve the Lord today, they may blame it on lots of things, but the, the real truth of it is, it's love. They don't love Him. The reason you're serving Him, the reason you live for Him, is because you love Him. And if you do not love Him, if you're only in church because of fear, eventually you'll get out of church. If you're only serving, well, mama wanted me to. Well, my boyfriend, I'm going to church because I've got a girlfriend that goes to church. You won't last unless you love him with all of your heart. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And then he says, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. We're going to pray tonight, and I didn't hear the request. Brother Jimmy may have already turned it in, but Brother Pink Phillips called me today, and um, him and Sister Phyllis's daughter is very, very sick. <clears throat> Doctor's not really giving her much hope to, to live, so he wanted us to remember her, and um, she's, not, she's not ready to meet the Lord, so we certainly want to pray for that God will be merciful to her, give her a window of time where she can be able to make Peace with God. How I many of you have a need to request tonight before the Lord? Also, I'd like to ask you to continue to remember Erica. She's doing good, but she's still having weekdays, still recuperating over the chemo in her body, which they say will take some time to get over that. Also, if you remember Alicia as well, she's still going to the therapist about her, her vocal cords and you still can't talk, um, but we believe God's going to work a miracle for her. How many in your, your family, your home, on your job, you need, need the Lord to move for you? We want to take your request tonight as well. Let's, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that you don't, do not become weary as we bring all of our troubles to you. Lord, Brother Darrell and I were talking about before I came out of the office there that so many needs and requests that we hear from day to day Father, I get petitions from Africa, from India, from Asia, from Canada, from all over the world. There's no way, if my life depended on it, that I could remember them all tonight. But Lord Jesus, I'm simply asking you that you'd be mindful of all the needs of your people. They are so many, but yet, Father, I know if they were all put together and you answered them every one, It would not take away one bit from your greatness and your power. 
So we ask you tonight for your mercy that you'd intercede, Lord Jesus. We as your people come being after the order of Melchizedek. You, when you were here, you stepped into that son of man position. We know that according to the scripture in Isaiah, when you, the eternal, looked into that realm and you saw no one to intercede, no one to be an intercessor, the word says. And then the next word of that phrase says, and your own arm brought salvation. So there was no one who could intercede. How could one man intercede between another man and a spirit God? So spirit God projected from his own being an arm as it was, a man that come to the earth to be our intercessor. Then Lord, when you ascended on high, you left this intercessory work for your people on the earth. So Father, we bring before you tonight the needs of our friends, the needs of our brothers, our sisters, our children, our grandchildren, our nation, our world. God, be mindful of us, we pray. Help us, Father. In the name of Jesus, may the Spirit of God, I pray, intervene. Lord, help me tonight as it's fallen my lot once again to stand and to speak about you and your greatness and your word. Help me, Father, that I can get out of the way. Anoint me, Lord Jesus, but not only anoint me, but anoint the people that they can be able to receive. We'll give you praise and honor for it, for it's in the name of the Lord Jesus we ask it. And the saint said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Wonder what it is about man that makes him so self centered. What is it about a human being that the very best of people, the most noble, people that sometimes we would identify as good people, but each of us are born with that element of selfishness. Selfishness can hide its true identity and its characteristics and traits. A lot of times, best friends don't even see it's there. Sometimes a mother, a father might overlook it because they really, you know, they just look at certain traits about their children. They think, oh, my son, he's such an outstanding boy. My girl is such an outstanding, oh, not a selfish bone in her body. Well, bones ain't selfish in no way. It's from the soul. And whenever we read these passages of Scripture, it's easy to see that from the very falling of man in the Garden of Eden, that there was a selfish part about humanity that began to rise to the surface something that had never been visible until sin, the prevalence of sin, brought it out. And sin certainly enhances every fault that we have. Sin personifies every weakness, every flaw that we have. And seeing that this age was going to be set forth as men would love themselves. They would be lovers of themselves. 
Now that's been since the very fall of man, been for thousands of years upon the earth since man has been on the earth. But apparently these traits would become greater personified as the wicked one comes time for him to be revealed. Now I hope you understand that these verses here that we have read is actually Satan's crowning achievement of thousands of years of the darkness on the earth. These verses actually bring into personification the very people that are going in to the tribulation period. It may seem like a very small thing, but for Satan to be able to head this up in an age when it could never be said like it was about the last days. In the days of Noah, it was bad. In the days of Lot, it was bad. Yet there was portions of these verses of scripture that could not have been said about the days of Noah. Certain things that was reserved for the last day. As God has been building a body, a church, so Satan on the other side has also been working on a people. And we know the very reason that he's not been able to bring it up to the place that it is now is because there was a power that actually hindered him and it was he that now let us will let until he will be taken out of the way. Then shall the wicked or the lawless one be revealed. Now, Satan through every age, it's like it would wax and wane, wax and wane. It would get greater and God would raise up a standard against it. And then the Spirit of God would back away the darkness. Then the darkness would be allowed to raise again and the Spirit of God would lift up a standard and it would push it back. But when we come here, now we see that when these verses will come to fruition, the Spirit of God will actually let darkness enter into its prevailing time. You see, the Lord Jesus, he had actually drove back demons and drove back the power of darkness in a way it had never been before since the fall of man. But there come a time in the ministry of the Son of Man that he told them, now is your hour and the power of darkness. So he that let would allow it to be so until it was their time. Now I know we don't like to hear this, but there is a time that God will allow political darkness, social darkness, all types of darkness on the earth, they will merge. You know, in reading of the, the four gospels when they write about the Lord Jesus coming up to the culmination of him being crucified, we know that Pilate and some of his, even his Roman contemporaries, that they were not really friends. They were in the Roman government. 
uh, Herod didn't like this one, Pilate didn't like that one. But if you read, you know that the verse of scripture there that's coming to my mind says that they became friends. But it was a friendship that was forged under the power of darkness against what? One common enemy. And that was the power of light. You see, enemies that can hate one another so much politically, enemies that can despise one another religiously, but if you let them look at one common enemy themselves, they will rally. They will join together and they will come together because they look at their unity as being power and they need each other to stand against this common enemy which they deem is very, very serious. That's exactly what happened in the days of the Lord Jesus. Now the reason that it's not already happened in the measure that Paul writes about it is because of the power that has withheld or the power that has let. Now, let is that power which allows darkness to prevail. Look at it this way. It's like a mean, ferocious dog. And that dog would tear you to pieces. That dog would bite you. He would do all kinds of things. But he can't because he's on a chain. Now, as long as you know how long that chain is, and that chain is strong enough to keep him away from you, You can walk just within a foot of him. You can taunt him. You can aggravate him. You can do whatever, and you feel pretty secure. As long as it's a good chain. But you know what that limit is, and you can tell by his track where he's been going back and forth. So you can stand there and ridicule him and laugh at him and do whatever. But if you walk up there in that place one day and that chain ain't around his neck, say goodbye, friends because he probably will remember you. But you realize that Satan has been on a limitation down through the church ages. And the power that has withheld will one day be taken from the earth in broad form. He that led us will let until he, Christ, the bride, the church, will be taken out of the way. Now it's amazing that it's a he, but actually it's a he and a her. <laughs> Amen, family. Now, what so this power of darkness that has been so prevalent on the earth, little by little, after the breaking of the seals, when the light of God come to its complete manifestation, and then it will produce a bride around the world. When that bride is gathered together, then the power which has led will be taken out of the way, and then the wicked. I, I found it to be amazing in the last couple of months how many times I've noticed this word on on newspaper articles or website articles that I've been reading about the riots and this and that and the other that's went on in the last year in our nation. And I've seen this word pop up time and time again. And the word is lawless or lawlessness. Now, I don't know if you know it or not, but in Thessalonians, whenever Paul writes about the wicked, now the term that he uses there, the Greek word, is when the wicked shall be revealed. That word actually in the Greek is lawless one. 
I find it amazing that in our world that they are starting to use the very word that is a scriptural word which has been around for thousands of years and it was used to identify the man of sin. Now this man of sin will reveal himself and he's going to be called the wicked. It's amazing how the scripture catches him and he will reveal him not as a group, not as a bunch of groups, but as the wicked. So it will be the lawless one or the one who sets himself above the law of God. So he's above the law. He answers to no one. Now you see why God hates that rebellion when people set themselves up that way and claim to be Christians. Nobody can correct them. Nobody can talk to them. Nobody can tell them nothing. Everything you go to tell them, they already know it. You're on dangerous ground, friend. Because you're moving under the anointing of the lawless one himself. Anybody with the Holy Ghost can be taught. I don't care how smart you are. You can still be taught. Notice this in the Thyatira church age talking about part of the last days. I want to give warning right here. It says concerning the last days that because of the abounding iniquity, the love of many will wax cold. In the Laodicean or last age, self-love and love for material things will take the place of the true love of God. We need to guard against the power of sin in these last days. So many are getting so hard. Now notice what it does. That when people become so material minded and they love pleasures more than loving God, that it produces a hardness. Now that hardness will extend uh, into their family, to their friends, toward God, toward church. It just keeps on expanding. You see, once you become hard, it may start with a hardness against your wife or your husband or a preacher. It may start with one person. But most of the time, it never stays with that one individual. It's like a root of bitterness. So you become bitter against one individual, they've done something horrible to you, but if you let that grow, notice where it's at. It is a root of bitterness, which means it's hid. But that root does not lay there and stay the same size. But that root will grow and grow and grow because you've got it hid deep down inside your heart and your complexes and your fears and so on. And you're watering and giving nutrients to that root of bitterness and it's getting bigger and bigger and now you're, you're resenting more and more people. You hear me tonight? Well, it's the same with this, how that the hardness will become in the last days. And we need to guard against the power of sin in these last days. So many are getting so hard because they haven't realized the effect of this last day spirit. Now here, I believe this is talking to good people, people that love God, people that want to understand. But if people can take this attitude, well, I, I'm, I'm in the bride, I'm in the message, and they don't realize that you, that's right, your soul, you believe the word of God, but you're still a human being and you're still living in time. Is that right? And we can still be affected because we are a human being. It is time to draw nigh to God and let him fill our lives with his love or we will feel 
the coldness of the last day church. We will feel the coldness of the last day church. Not only will you feel the coldness of it, but part two, and reject the truth of God, which alone is able to help us. Now, you know, I, I don't think that God wants us as his people to believe or to understand or have a perception that pleasure in this life is necessarily wrong. That depends on what the pleasure is. Most of us have things that we enjoy doing which are not sin of themselves. Some of you, mom, you enjoy taking a fishing rod and just going down there at the lake or the stream and you could do it for six or seven hours and never feel like you're wasting your time after about 15 minutes. If I ain't caught one, I'm ready to go toss. I ain't a fisherman, I'm a catcherman. So if I ain't catching them, I'm ready to do something else. Now you see a true fisherman, if he catches one or if he don't, it's just part of the deal. I don't have a fisherman's brain. I don't think that way. I'm thinking I'm wasting my time. I could be at the house doing this or doing that or doing the other, but I'm not a fisherman. So, you know, is that wrong? No. I've been there in Brother Branham's home in Tucson and Brother Branham enjoyed hunting and shooting and Brother Branham enjoyed hand loading and he, I, I've seen some of his stuff that he had there and he enjoyed doing that. He enjoyed getting out and getting away and it brought an element of pleasure and it was an element of recreation was it wrong nope it was not wrong and neither is some of the things that we do are wrong but some people want to paint Christianity that anything you do outside of fasting praying reading your Bible going to church every bit of that sin that is absolutely contrary to the Bible and contrary to the message of the hour is that right but yet God knows that there must be a balance that each of us, each of us must find in our own lives. Now, is there a limit in the Bible of how many times you should go on vacation a year? I've never found it. Is there a limit of how many times you should go here or do that? I've never found it. And the reason is that God knows every individual is different. Every family is different. But when it comes to a spot that you're gone every other weekend to Dollywood, I begin to wonder if you own part of Dollywood. You know, if you're gone every other thing and you miss church and you miss church and you miss church but you never miss work. That's what gets me. You see you got some folks they don't care to miss church on Wednesday. They don't care to miss it on Sunday but they will never miss a day's work to go anywhere. Oh sweet Jesus you got me in trouble already Lord. Why? Because they love their dollar more than they love church service. So they always put everything to Wednesday and Sunday. Well y'all going to get mad at me already ain't you? Well, I think you've got a love problem. Well, praise the Lord. Well, and you know what? Do you go to the dentist on Sunday? Those of you that have doctor's appointments, do sometimes you have to miss work to be able to go to your doctor? Oh, you're saying, oh, look, doc, I need to come and see you, but I only have Saturday and Sunday. Well, I'm sorry, I'm not open on Saturday or Sunday. Well, no, you don't understand, doctor. There's no way you can expect me to miss a half a day's work, do you? I mean, here, I need a crown, I need a root canal, I need this and the other, I need a CT scan, I need the MRI, and I, I can only have so many hours on Saturday morning, and I've only got so much time on Sunday afternoon. I'm sorry, sir, we don't do scans on the weekend. Oh, well, what do you mean? You mean to tell me you expect me to miss work? You'll do it for that old fat hide of yours.
But oh my goodness, when it comes now to missing work, oh my, hallelujah. You see, being lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, as Paul says here, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Now, it does not mean that enjoying certain things, some of you enjoy hunting, some of you enjoy fishing, some of you sisters enjoy getting together and going shopping or whatever it is, and many of those things are not sin of themselves. But it's when a person would enjoy that more than they would enjoy God. But really, a child of God has pleasure too. And their pleasures are not just spiritual alone, but they enjoy getting together with their family, enjoying together eating or going here, going there, doing this and that. Notice in Job 36.10, he said, he openeth also the ear to discipline and commandeth that they return from iniquity. If they obey and serve him, they shall spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasure. So the Bible is not against the people of God being prosperous and having health and even enjoying things in life itself. I'm told when you get old um, that you're supposed to be able to enter into a retirement age and uh, have a porch and a rocking chair and a check called Social Security, I think they call it, and uh, you're, as you get older, you're supposed to be able to just kick back and rock and grab a hold of your wife's hand if you remember which one's your wife and you're supposed to sit out there on the porch and talk about the former days and I I've been told that as you get older, older, life gets easier. I'm still looking for them people that lied to me. Because I tell you one thing, I'm more busy right now than I, I, I believe I've been all my life. In a few months, I'm getting ready to sign up on Medicare and I'm thinking something ain't right with this picture. Something ain't exactly right. So does God feel that we're sinning, Brother Jim, or doing wrong when we would sit on the porch and look out across a beautiful green field or, or hear the birds sing or go somewhere on a camping trip or a hunting trip or something like that? No, there's actually pleasure that a child of God enjoys. I'll tell you one thing. If this earth is so beautiful now, I cannot imagine what it's gonna be in the millennium. I cannot imagine what it's gonna be on the eighth day. I enjoy getting out of nature. I enjoy going to different national parks and seeing part of the place. But you realize that there are people that do that. And many of them, all you have to do is listen to them talk a little bit. And many of these naturalists so-called, and it's easy to see that they worship the creation more than the creator. Because they refer to nature like a getting a religious experience and it's like being in church. Now you watch it and you watch and see the way they go with that and you see what they're doing. Oh my, just to look at the rocks and I enjoy looking at them too. I enjoy looking at the great things that God has made but when I look at it, it makes me realize what a great father I have instead of thinking that all this come out of some mass somewhere and it all evolved into this beautiful something. Look, I might have been born in the morning but it wasn't yesterday morning. So there ain't no way in the world you're going to convince me all this beauty, all this greatness come out of one little old simple one-celled animal and all these animals and their diversity come forth. No, my daddy did all of that. But notice the children of God should have pleasure serving the Lord. They should have pleasure in going to the house of God. They should have pleasure in the Lord and that should be their greatest pleasure. 
Will they have other pleasures and enjoyment of life? Absolutely. I don't know about you, but 2020 robbed all of us of so many things. We've not been able to get together, and I've just been reaching out to some of my preacher friends in the last couple of months and just letting them know how much I love them, how much I miss seeing them, and just can't wait to be around them again. I miss that myself. Because there's something about us getting together. Notice this, how that the scripture says in, in Psalm 1611, thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Now you realize many professed Christians never enter into this pleasure cycle with God because to them church is, well, it's kind of demanding. And church is not very fulfilling. And church is not, they don't relate church and happiness together. They don't relate church and pleasure together. They don't relate church and being the most excited thing that they do in life. I feel sorry for those type of Christians because really they're missing a lot of what God wants it to be for them. And if you're here and you're that way tonight, let me tell you, there's a deeper walk that you can have in Christ Jesus that going to church, reading your Bible, praying can be the greatest pleasure you'll ever have in this life. Amen. I enjoy doing lots of things in the natural world. I do. I don't mind telling you. I enjoy doing natural things. I enjoy taking an old piece of furniture that people look at and say, that thing ain't worth nothing. But I look at it and I think, yeah, I could take a little bit of this and do this. I could do that. I could take a little glue and clamp that together. And I know in my mind what I can do with that furniture. And each piece that I do is I go to hiding this blemish and this, this here. And I take a little piece of a, of a rag and I'll put a little dab of moisture on top of that. And there's a big dent in that wood. And I'll I'll lay a hot iron right on top of that and I'll put just enough moisture, just enough steam and as I do, somehow it'll go underneath that dent and it'll cause that dent to pop up. Now how it does it, I don't understand it. All I know is that it does it. I enjoy watching, taking dents. Oh, y'all ought to be glad I'm that way because that's why I've done some of you all. I took your knothead and your dings and your holes and this and that and the other and by the Holy Ghost poured in a little side. I know some of you is a little hard-headed. I had to make a few dents myself but don't worry, I not only can I make them, I can also get them out so bear with me. But what does that do? That gives me an element of pleasure. A builder can be able to take a stack of two by fours and two by sixes and, and concrete block and transform all that into a beautiful house. Those of you that do certain things that you do and you look at it, well, that's a pleasure. That's something of fulfillment. But none of that would even compare to being in the presence of God. None of that. Well, I don't care. The greatest pleasure in life would pale in comparison to being in the presence of God. My the presence of God that we experience here Sunday morning and the word of God, you don't know it, you don't know it, you don't realize it, but the first 30 minutes or whatever it was of Sunday morning, I had no plans on going that way. I'd never even thought of those things in my entire life. I'm standing here totally astounded as it's coming out of me like a shotgun because I never even thought that way, studied that way. I had no idea it was going that way and I was rejoicing to me. I have never had a human pleasure in my life that's as great as standing under the anointing of the Holy Ghost and feel him take your mouth and your human instrumentality and speak beyond your intellect and speak beyond your wisdom and speak beyond what you know and listen to him and watch him minister to his children. I don't think Brother West there could ever be a greater pleasure in life than serving the Lord Jesus. 
Oh, my. Notice this. Brother Bram says it this way. The greatest pleasure that the believer. Now watch. He don't just make it a preacher or a prophet. The greatest pleasure that a believer has is knowing that he's doing something that's pleasing the Lord. Now you see, if you lack that and what you're doing, you need to move up. And yes, there can be pleasure in doing something, even if it's turning the other cheek, even if it's praying for those that despitefully use you, not just things that, that don't hurt you and things that bring, you know, bring pain sometimes and make us very uncomfortable, but things that actually make it very difficult for us. There is pleasure in knowing what? I am pleasing my Lord because I'm keeping his word. Can you imagine that he said the greatest pleasure that the believer has is knowing that he's doing, living, or doing something that's pleasing the Lord. How many knows what I'm talking about tonight? Notice this again. And if men and women love God as much as the world loves their pleasures, the pleasure of a Christian is serving the Lord at the house of God. You don't have to sign no cards. He's talking about signing cards to get people to come to church. You don't have to sign no cards. You can't open the door quick enough. Amen. You can't open the door quick enough because there's something about getting together. If it was just hearing preaching, you would be able to stream and have the same experience. But all of you know as well as I do, I've had to stream at times too and I've been sick. It ain't the same thing. It ain't the same thing. Oh my, why? There's something about assembling ourselves together. It's not just about you sitting there at home drinking a glass of iced tea while I'm preaching the word. There's something about you being together with the saints of God and bringing your pillar of fire and the word is the same. Those that stream that cannot be here for whatever reason, they're hearing the exact same words. They're hearing the exact same songs and they see the exact same movements that I make or any other the person makes as they're preaching. What is the difference? The part of that pleasure is being withheld from them that the internet cannot carry. That is your presence and yours and yours and yours. And there's something about us being together that God knows there's nothing like it in all the world. Oh, thanks be to God. Not having pleasure is wrong. But it's when we make pleasures greater than our love for him. Notice again in the presence of God and recognize the church is getting so worldly and so indifferent. And so their minds so muddled up with television. We love Susie and some of these old things and staying home. That shows where the people's hearts are. And you can tell them these things are wrong and they think You're crazy. What is it? Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Oh, the greatest pleasure I know of is to be to pray until I can realize I'm in the presence of God and recognize it. I think that ought to be the thrill. Now, maybe I'm, miss, maybe I'm missing something, but 
Does this look like a person to you that is thrilled to be in church? Now, if they ain't slept for three days, they're probably tickled to death because at least they're sleeping. But can you imagine a person and they're so thrilled? Their favorite sport is, is, is going on. And my, they're just, oh, oh, oh it's, it's, it's right down to the last few minutes and they're fixing to kick the ball or hit the ball or whatever they, they do. Oh, my favorite golf man is fixing to golf. And, oh, 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 oh. You say, come on, buddy, come on. Oh, I'm so bored. I paid $75 for this. Oh, Lord. But they're, come on. You ever watch people when they get in? What it ought to be when we come to the house of God. It ought to be we're nearly sitting on the edge of our seat. Lord, what else you gonna say? Lord, what else you gonna do? Lord God, we're here to see you manifest yourself tonight, God. We are thrilled to be here. You buy somebody a birthday present? Thank you. Aren't you going to open it? No. I really don't even need anything. I appreciate the thought, though. That's what really counts. You think they're thrilled? <laughs> I probably won't buy them nothing else. I wonder how the Lord Jesus feels sometimes. When he prepares his manservant for hours, maybe weeks, for an hour's worth of anointing. And folks come in and sit down. They got tractors on their mind. They got the price of gold on their mind. They got the price of copper on their mind. They got a new apple pie recipe on their mind. They got this and that and the other on their mind. Some's at Kroger, some's at Walmart, some's at TJ Maxx. And they are so thrilled. Some of you all are good. You can go to sleep with your eyes wide open. <laughs> but I wonder what kind of meetings. Look, friends, if it's this good with no more than some folks put forth the effort, I can't imagine what it's going to be just right before we get ready to leave. Because unless I'm missing something and looking at it wrong, I, I figure this bride is going to become so thrilled with the Lord Jesus and his word and what he's doing, and she's gonna become less and less attached out here, less and less attached with the White House and politics and this and that and the other, and we're gonna become more serious than we've ever been in our lives. I cannot imagine the thrill that it's gonna be when we come to the house of God, and we cannot wait, and your favorite, your favorite singer don't even sing, but that don't matter, you're in church. Your, your favorite organ player ain't there, and your favorite drummer ain't there, but that don't matter you're here and God's here and the saints of God are here you're so thrilled and so excited to be in the house of God you can't wait my my 
What you notice, Brother Bram said, I think that ought to be the thrill of the church is the presence of the Holy Spirit. Seeing the God, the God that made the promise standing among us. Now remember, friends, Brother Branham is not Hebrews 13, 8, but Jesus is. Jesus was right there among them. Let me tell you, let me update you a little bit. He's right here tonight. Remember the title of this sermon, The Presence of God Unrecognized. Oh my, the Lord Jesus walked in this platform tonight if an angel of God, if an angel of God would walk on this platform and all of your eyes would come open. I wonder what it would do. Some would be fearful. Some would be afraid, no doubt. Some would be crying. Some might be rejoicing. I wonder would it spark an element of intensity greater even than what we're feeling now. I assure you it would. Almost all of us, but whether we see them or not, they are here. And they're not just in church. They're with you in your home. They're with you when you're driving down your road. You ought to be conscious of that no matter where you are. The angels of God encamp about those that fear him. That's why a real Christian that's conscious of the presence of God don't live one way in church and another way out of church. They know every day of their life, whether it's in the kitchen or the bedroom or downstairs or in the cellar, they know their life is being watched by another world. Hallelujah! And they recognize they're in the presence of Almighty God. Oh my. Seeing the God that made the promise stand among us feel his presence and see his word and see it vindicated. It ought to give faith. Ah, to make the cripples walk. Blind see, deaf hear, dumb speak. Don't misunderstand me. It's not that we need greater preachers in the message. It's not that we need greater singers or greater musicians or even more profound revelations. We need a recognition of who's in our midst. Oh, well, it's just Wednesday night. God don't go by your calendar. God don't look at Wednesday as being less favorable than Sunday morning. God ain't like some of you all that looks at Saturday night when we're able to have it as, as less favorable than Sunday morning. He comes on Saturday night just like he does on Sunday morning. If we meet together, Brother West meets them whenever they're able to have young youth services and the Lord Jesus shows up there too. Why? He comes where he's invited. And whenever he's invited and we expect him to move, he can perform miracles right here tonight in this service. Right here tonight. Oh, but it's just Wednesday night. No, it's not just Wednesday night. It's another opportunity for the Almighty God to manifest himself. If he can get us into a spot that we can recognize it and become thrilled about it 
and become happy about it and become so excited in our hearts that we cannot wait for church to start, that we sit there with anticipation. Is it time yet? Oh, it's five till. Oh, it's four and a half till. Oh, it's four till. It's three till. Oh, Brother Louie, go ahead and start. Go ahead and start, Brother Louie. I imagine poor Brother Louie or that some of these brothers that's leading the service would nearly pass out if somebody jumped up and said, would you all start the service? I'm under such anticipation. Start early. Let's start at a quarter till. Sing one more song. Brother Donnie, preach 15 minutes longer. Pray for somebody else. I want to see what the Lord is going to do. I'm under anticipation. It is my pleasure. You know how Southern hospitality can be. Southern hospitality can be nice, but it can be hypocritical as well. Somebody comes and waits on at your restaurant and, you know, they take your order and this and that and the other, and you say, thank you, my pleasure. You say, what? You're doing this because it brings you pleasure? So what is it? It's a word that is used that becomes such a form. There ain't no way they're going to tell me. And they go back and they get my taters on Carol's plate and they put my carrots on her plate and they say, ma'am, you messed that up. Oh, I'm sorry, my pleasure. I think, your pleasure. You got a weird view of things. Trouble, difficulty is your pleasure. So it becomes just a word, my pleasure. I love to go to church. I love to go to church, people say. I love it. Somebody told me, Brother Donnie's gone this weekend. Dear God, how does he expect us to make it from one service to another if he ain't around? Oh, who's preaching then? I ain't coming. You need to be cured of Reaganitis. You don't need Reaganitis. You need to get a good dose of Jesusitis. You always say, well, I, I, I do enjoy hearing Brother Donnie, but that's one thing I found out. Jesus is always there, even if Brother Donnie ain't. Yeah. Amen. The Lord is there. Hallelujah. And the saints of God are there. I'm going with anticipation, and I'm going to have my pleasure in the Lord. Yeah. I love this in the church age book. This is... Page 45, actually, in the Patmos Vision section. Our spirit is clean. It is fresh. It is real. It is sober and serious, but nonetheless full of the joy of the Lord. The Christian ought to be just as exuberant and full of his pleasure in the Lord as the world is when it savors and delights in its pleasure. Oh my, but yet, I mean, if we do this, just like Brother Fred just did worshiping the Lord, some of you just worshiping the Lord, and people would come in and say, wow, them bunch of fanatics, and yet they'll go to a ball game, baseball, football, soccer, whatever it is, and their little young announcer, my, they messed up the office deal every what, Honey, you done great, you lied, like I don't know what. You done great, oh my, they'll scream and they'll holler, run, Junior, run, Junior. But boy, if they come to the house of God and say, preach, Brother Donnie, preach. Mother daughter. First of all, the husband will pass out. Then all the kids will pass out. Then the deacons will pass out. And I certainly would pass out. 
Why? Because they've got joy on the soccer field. They've got joy on the basketball court. They've got joy. Oh, come on, Happy Valley. They've got joy about the things of the world. And they come to the house of God and sit there like a pickle. Then when church is over and they get in the car and the wife looks over at the husband and say, have you noticed Brother Donnie? He just ain't as exciting as he used to be 30 years ago. Oh, I remember them good old days when Brother Donnie was a young man. Do you? I can't remember very many of them. <laughs> Share them with me sometimes. Oh, yeah, I remember it. Oh, he used to preach and he used to. And so it's my fault, is it? So do you mind if I ask you, do you pray with such fervency as you used to? Y'all still listen to as many tapes as you did when I first came years ago? Still reading your Bible, still spending time alone with God? You want to lay the blame on me? I'll take the blame for everything I've done wrong. I'll take the blame for everything I'm guilty of. But I ain't taking your blame. Nope. Well, praise the Lord. What happens to it, friend? We lose our pleasure associated with God and church is one of the worst things you can do without pleasure. You'll become bored quicker by going to church and doing religious actions without pleasure than you will playing golf, than you will hitting a baseball, basketball, football, soccer, fishing. Why? Because God never intended for religion to be without emotion. God never intended for religion to be without pleasure. And religion without it becomes very, very boring. And very, very dead. And I very, very don't want it. To you. Oh. My, the Christian ought to be just as exuberant and full of his pleasure in the Lord as the world is when it savors and delights in his pleasure. Both Christians and the world are human. Both have emotions. The difference is the Christian's hearts and emotions are purely on the Lord of glory and his love while the world satisfies the flesh. So the, the choice is between loving pleasure or loving God. It's been said that we will either use things and love people or use people and love things. There's a lot of truth to that little simple statement. So is it with God that if Satan can lose, oh my, cause us to lose our joy and rob us of our exuberance in the presence of God. What happens to a lot of folks in their marriage? Same thing. Amen. They fall out of love with each other. And they begin to endure that old man. And he endures that old woman. And then Satan's got somebody at the workplace that seems a little bit more exciting. 
Don't you understand? It's a parallel of the same thing inside the church that you come to the house of God and you sit there, well, Brother Louie, he's gonna cripple up our poor old feller. He's gonna get up there and sing two or three songs and so-and-so's gonna sing a song and then so-and-so's gonna sing a song and then the preacher's gonna get up there and preach. You know, we go through the same old routine, but others are sitting there and said, this ain't no routine to me. Man, I thought this is wonderful. What's the difference? Same preacher, same service, everything going on. One had pleasure and the other didn't. One was enjoying it, praise God. One was enjoying it, why? Because they are a worshiper. You see, a worshiper, oh my, they, they can tell the difference when the air is a little bit cooler, a little bit warmer, or the, the, the drums might be a little bit louder this time, but they can worship anyhow because they're a worshiper. Somebody that's got this idea that everything ought to operate around them, they'll never be happy. They'll never really be in the joy of the Lord. But when a person says, church is my joy, singing is my joy, serving God is my joy, praise God, I'm ready to go, hallelujah. I'm gonna enjoy it. I don't care if Brother Donnie ain't preaching, if Brother Darrell ain't preaching, as long as the Holy Ghost is preaching, I'm gonna get something out of that service. My favorite song leader ain't leading the singing. My favorite organ player ain't playing the organ. I'm gonna have pleasure with my Lord. I'm not having pleasure with Brother Donnie. I'm not having pleasure with a song leader. I've come tonight to have pleasure with my Lord Jesus. Friend, there ain't nobody here tonight can truthfully deny that we're living in a pleasure-mad world. Not only have folks suffered from COVID during this last year, the rates of insanity has skyrocketed. Depression, all types of social disorders have come out of this. People have not been able to party. Unless you're a politician, then you can. They tell us to wear a mask and they get out and party without them. I'm glad for smartphones though, where some folks can take them sorry outfits pictures. You know how the law works. Don't do as I do, but do as I say, and that's the law. Why? Because we're made to have some enjoyment out of life. We're made to be happy. And so is it in the spiritual sense of God. We're not made to come here and sit and go through some type of orthodoxy and we clap our hands in rhythm and we all sit there and we're dead as a hammer. But God wants the unction of the Holy Ghost to come down not only from the pulpit, but from the pulpit to the back door upstairs. God wants it to be everywhere. Every child of God singing in harmony before the Lord. The young and the old and the middle aged worshiping God with such excitement in their heart. They can't wait till Sunday morning comes. They can't wait till Wednesday night come and they're saying when are we going to be able to have service again on Saturday night? I'm going to have it again. Why? Part of your pleasure has been taken away from you. And you say, Lord God, I long to get back in your presence again. Notice Isaiah 47, 8. Therefore hear now this. Thou art given to pleasures that dwellest carelessly, that sayest in thine heart, I am and none else beside me. I shall not sit as a widow, neither shall I know the loss of children. This is the Old Testament version of Revelation. The church age when decide, I will not sit as a widow. I will do this and I will do that. I will have pleasure. 
and nobody's going to rob me from it. You see, folks that hear, say, a sermon like tonight, and they say, oh my goodness, he's trying to take everything away from us. No, I'm not. I'm only trying to get it balanced out right. But I'm telling you this, you'll never be able to enjoy the pleasures of God while you're trying to straddle the fence and enjoy the pleasures of sin. It don't work that way. But if you will give up the pleasures of sin, I'll guarantee you, you've got pleasures in God the world can't even offer you. Notice Luke 8, 14. That which fell among thorns are they which they have heard. Go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life. Wow. Cares and riches. Well, where's the marijuana? Where's the heroin? Where's, you don't even say that. But cares, just things about life. Just cares. Cares and riches and pleasures of this life. Have you noticed Jesus didn't even say horrible, sinful, wicked things? Just things that their life is so caught up in things that gratifies us and makes us feel good. Not necessarily wrong, think of this. And it chokes a person, chokes, chokes. Don't misunderstand me. Satan would love nothing better than for every one of you to be gone every weekend on a vacation somewhere. Now, on that vacation, you don't drink, you don't cuss, you don't smoke, you don't lie, you don't run around with nobody else's wife. You just go and have fun. And you go to Dollywood and you ride the wet rides. Well, I guess today wouldn't be a good day to do that, would it? And you go and, oh, we had such a good time. And next weekend you say, that was so good. Can we go back again? And then next week, oh, can we do it again? And the Spirit of God laid it on my heart to preach something, not me knowing it, but what you had need of. And your pleasure of what you did. And you went down there instead of being here and missed your hour of deliverance. Praise the Lord. But folks, they look at, oh, church, you can go to church anytime. Really? I think COVID has proven that is not true. Titus 3.3. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, and serving divers' lusts. And pleasures. So you see, pleasure can become so driven by lust that you actually enter into a servitude with pleasure. That you're serving it. And Satan has pulled a fast one on you because it ain't sin really. But you're just so caught up in pleasure. Oh, we're going to do this. Uh, honey, what about, what about church? Brother Don, did you say we're having a special meeting? Oh, you can go to special meetings anytime. Really? Where, where have you been lately? Man, how long will we have another special meeting here at the church? I mean, here's special is just be able to have church three times a week. That's pretty special to me. Oh, but Brother Donnie, I like Saturday night off. I like me never go to the movies. Shame on you. I like having Saturday night off. I'll tell you one thing. If the house of God and the pleasure of the word of God does not produce more pleasure in your life than anything in the world out there, please don't leave till you come up here and hit this altar tonight. 
Notice Hebrews 11:24. by faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. For a season. Is sin pleasurable? Absolutely. Can sin bring you an element of happiness? Absolutely. But for a season. So you live a sinful life 55, 60 years. You die lost. You're held in a prison house. You stand before the white throne. All of a sudden your life flashes back before you. No pardon, no mercy, no repentance then the judge determines you get 10,000 years in a lake which burns with fire and brimstone. Now you tell me, anybody, stand now and tell me how you would figure in your mind it would be worth that. And I heard the prophet telling about it yesterday when he was a 14-year-old boy and he got shot with a shotgun. And they wrapped him in a rubber sheet. And they let him wait till the next morning to operate to see if he'd live. During the night, he woke up and he heard drip, drip, drip. It was blood from his body. And the nurse come in and just wiped the blood up. They couldn't do anything. They put him under anesthesia. And he goes out. And he said he was like, he was in the regions of the lost. I know you and I think that a fire would be horrible. But he said a burning blaze would have been a pleasure to what he experienced. He was falling, falling, falling. And he said, it's like I would fall and fall and never stop falling. What a horrible feeling that must be because you see it has no foundation. So I like in this dimension when people actually arrive into that spot they are falling and falling and falling and falling and falling. There was darkness all around him. He said being a 14 year old boy I cried out for my daddy but there was no daddy there. I cried out for my mama but there's no mama there. I cried to God but there was no God there. His omnipresence will not be in that region. And he said, I'd just been a new arrival and I heard these voices coming. And he said it was women. Had their eyes painted like a cat and makeup all over their face. And he said they was tormenting him and haunting him. Now you imagine a man telling this story. He was 54 years old when he told it. You can hear the break in his voice. I heard him say, yes, I've been listening to the souls in prison again for several times in the last week. And each time I hear it, you can hear him as he enters in to that vision again, that visitation. 
And then he relates that there he was in Tucson in the mall. And he saw them women up and down the escalator. Some English, some Spanish, some French. And he said they were going up and down that and he said, it's like there I was. I thought, oh God, don't tell me I've died and went to this horrible place. And there I was back in hell again. Friends, God wants us to make him the very center of everything we do. Your greatest pleasure, your greatest achievement, your greatest accomplishment, your greatest joy being the Lord Jesus. I know only the bride is able to attain to such I realize the foolish virgin does not have that matching piece of divinity that makes her feel this way. Others be satisfied going to church, just being a member. They hear things like this. He's crazy. He's crazy. I had somebody sit in my office just a couple of years ago and tell me, Brother Donning, I hear you preach about Jesus this way and this and this and this. But the person said, I don't love him like that. And I don't feel that way about him. It was one of the saddest things I have ever heard in my life from any individual. Once again, it made me realize how blessed I am to love him the way I do. I know I'm not smart. A lot of y'all are way smarter than I am. A lot of you think you are. <laughs> you got more money. You got more this. You're more handsome. This, that, and the other. You can have all that. I'd rather have what I have in my heart toward the Lord Jesus tonight. Consider me a crank if you're too crazy, foolish. Brother Donnie's a fanatic. I agree. I agree I am. But I'd rather be a fanatic about the Lord Jesus than marijuana. Yes. Friends, I read just this week where the state of Oregon is looking now to make LSD and heroin to where it's not a crime. Can you imagine? No doubt, I told Carol, I Carol about it, I said, no doubt some of them lawmakers in Oregon are the children of the generation that turned down revival in America under the prophet of God's ministry. They started out puffing a little bit on cigarettes and went to marijuana. Now they want to legalize. You imagine? Bad enough to legalize marijuana, now LSD and heroin? The world is insane but they've got to have it. Wow, a lot of them in the White House is probably smoking it. A lot of them in the government office, well, they can't take the pressure. They've got to have something to help them. Aren't you glad when you get under pressure, you don't have to drag out a marijuana cigarette or a pill of LSD, but you can get along with prayer with God. Lord God, please help me. Lord, I'm under the pressure, I'm under the stress. Hallelujah. Can we stand together? Oh, Lord Jesus. Paul in this last verse says, having a form of God in us, but denying the power thereof. So he described them people and saying that they was very religious people. They have a form of God in this, which suggests an outward appearance of religion. 
No doubt I've had a work of grace done in their hearts, some of them. But it's not their joy. It's not their pleasure. Their pleasure is gambling. Their pleasure is doing this or that or the other. And they just go to church because that's what you're supposed to do, I reckon. At least once a week, whether you need it or not. But boy, you talking about getting drunk. Oh, they'll perk up then. You talking about having some sort of party or going here or there. Oh, you can watch them. You turn their kid in you. And you talk about church or the word. or What's the latest thing, brother, that God's revealed to you? What's God made known to you? And they look at you, what in the world are you talking about? Why, it's not their pleasure. It's not the fountain of their joy. Oh, I was reading just this evening before coming to church where she, in the Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 1, where she saw him, she was beckoning for him to come from the mountain, leave the mountain, come down to where I am. Of course, the mountain was the place of atonement, of frankincense. Here the offerings was offered and the sweet-smelling aroma had been offered in her place. She was asking for him to come and get her and take her away. Why? He was her pleasure. He was her joy. The word Eden in the Old Testament, Eden, E-D-E-N. In the Hebrew, the word actually means pleasure. So when Sarah laughed, when God said, Sarah will be a mother, and Sarah said, me being old, shall I have Eden, pleasure, with my Lord again? Eden. Don't you understand what God has restored in our souls for those who have the Holy Ghost? We enter into a place of paradise. And sometimes people you go to church with don't even understand it. Even the do's and don'ts don't become drudgery to a wife. It is her pleasure. You imagine men that loved David so much. I mean, he was fighting and my, the heat, so hot and dry and arid in that country. And he got so parched and he was fighting the enemy. David began to think about the water from Bethlehem. He said, oh, I just had a drink from those wells. Three of his men heard him say it. His wish was a command. They fought through 15 miles of men to come and go. Bring him back a drink of water. What was it? A drink for the king. When they brought it back to David, David took and looked at it and said, should I drink this? It's the price of blood. So David poured it out as a drink offering to the Lord. Oh, children, let's take that great antitype of that. The prophet of God said, what Gentile warriors will come and draw your swords and stand by my side. And let's cut a hole through the enemy and bring Jesus a fresh drink of Pentecostal water. 
Now that cuts a lot of the message people out right there. They don't mind handing him a Church of Christ glass or a Methodist glass or a Catholic glass. That ain't what the prophet said. He said, bring him a fresh drink of Pentecostal water. Hallelujah. Believe what you want to believe. I heard that call. I took my sword many years ago. I was not physically able to stand by Brother Branham, but I'm standing by his message now with all my heart and my soul. And I ask you tonight, as one who's standing with this word, are we willing to fight through oppression? Are we willing to fight through tiredness, weariness, COVID, ups, downs, in, outs, and take our sword and fight through it and bring our Lord Jesus a fresh drink of Pentecostal water? Not Pentecostal nonsense, not Pentecostal emotion. Remember, 1962, he says, true Pentecost is God. What is it? Refreshing from the presence of the Lord. Praise God. So if Jesus is depending on you tonight to give him a sup of water, will you bring him a little bit or will you offer him a dry cup? Let's draw our swords. Let's draw our swords. Fight through whatever we have to to bring Jesus some worship, praise, and adoration. What for? To bring him pleasure. To bring him pleasure. Remember, church is not just about us. It's about us. Oh, yeah, it's about us. But it's about him, first of all. What's amazing about it is, if you bring him pleasure, and he is your soul, you find that it brings you pleasure. You imagine them men fighting and fighting and sweating and risking their life. It must have been such a time of accomplishment by bringing that back to David. Oh, my. When I stand before the Lord one day, and all of you is going to stand there with me, and I'm going to give an account for every sermon I've ever preached. For every time I've studied and put things together, I'll not receive a reward for being the greatest. That'll go to many other men. Having the biggest ministry, this, that, the other, I don't even think in those terms. I just want to be faithful with what he's given me. Some people wouldn't walk across the road to hear me preach. That don't mean they're evil. That don't mean they're devils. I just don't help them. There's others that have moved all across the country to be here in our church. Why? They feel like I can help them. Well, I'll be in heaven together. So it's not how big this one is, and this one's greater, and this one's more gifted. That's not it. It's about us doing what our king wants us to do. I long to hear these words. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. How many wants to hear those words? Some of you sisters may feel like, what have I ever done? What have I ever done for God? I've never led nobody to Christ. I mentioned it Sunday. I've never, I've never prayed to anybody through to the Holy Ghost. I've never done. But I was thinking about it this week, what the prophet had said. He said, you women, is talking about his wife, how that his wife would iron his clothes and wash his clothes and him go on a hunt trip and all that. And she never complained about it and all that. And he said, you women want to know how you serve God? 
He said, as you serve your husband. So you imagine then you married sisters, you have a son of God, and you say, I'm just a wife. You're just a wife. You're just a wife. You say that as if, though, you don't recognize what a wife is. God could give a man with the Holy Ghost no greater thing than a woman filled with the Holy Ghost. But Brother Donnie, my husband's passed, and that means your vocation in life has changed somewhat. That don't mean that you still don't have nothing to do. Take the rest of your life and say, Lord, what can I do? Maybe some of you widow sisters can minister to one another. Some of you single sisters can go and be kind to the widows and do this and that. All of us have got something we can do. Oh, but do I have to? No, no, you don't have to. But once he becomes your everything, it's a pleasure. I don't know about you, I long for the days. I know Brother Joel Brown and some of the saints, younger ones, was able to go to some of the shut-ins and sing some songs for them, be able to do some things like that. I long for the time when we can do that again. You never know what that does. Why? It's your pleasure. Can we bow our heads? Everyone visible and those invisible. You don't have to raise your hand if you don't wish to tonight so anyone would see it, but just from your heart between you and the Lord Jesus. I want you to just be real honest now before the Lord. Do you find yourself going to church, praying, reading your Bible, and it becomes just a methodical routine of something you do? Have you lost some of your element of pleasure? You still get excited about it? And then when you do come to church, maybe you're not feeling him like you want to and this and that and the other. Well, you know, it's kind of like marriage. You and your husband has to stay on good terms in order for things to feel right between you. And remember, Jesus never leaves us so much. It's us that walks away from that smitten rock. So just in your own heart, without raising hands or making any gesture in that way, just in your own heart, Lord, I realize tonight through this preaching, I've lost part of my pleasure. I I still come to church and I still sing. But to be honest, Lord, I can't wait to sit down. I I can't wait to get done clapping hands. And I I I get tired of standing up. And I'm sorry, Lord. Forgive me. I want going to church, praying, reading my Bible, doing right to be my greatest pleasure on the earth. Just hold that request in your heart, if you would. Heavenly Father, I begin with me tonight, Lord. I pray, Father God, you would search my heart, my soul, my being. See if there's anything in this life I would rather do than your great will. I don't know of anything, Father, but if there is, please show me. I promise I'll make it right. I pray for every man, woman, boy, and girl under the sound of my voice, those that are streamed and those that are archived. May each of us honestly search our hearts. Lord, may the word, the message, going to church, doing the good things of God. May it not be a drudgery.
may it not just be a habit, a form. We don't want a form of godliness. We want it to be a pleasure. Praise God. Lord Jesus, I know when you suffered and you went up that Via Dolorosa, it was so difficult and so hard. It was not fun. It was not pleasurable. We know there's parts of Christianity that certainly does not produce pleasure in that sense. But the Bible tells us you went through that course of your journey because of the joy that was set before you. And that joy was us. So even in the hardest time of your humanity, you found pleasure in such stress, in such pain, in such anxiety, because you kept us before you. And the prophet picked that up and said that David said he is ever before me. And he told us that was a great key to victory, that whatever we're going through, we keep you before us. Lord, help us tonight. If we're feeling sad, if we're feeling heavy, whatever we're dealing with, Lord, may we keep you before us. It may not be pleasurable through every step of the journey, but the source of our pleasure is right before us and we'll come through this. This will pass. Hallelujah. Lord, this COVID time, this stress, these things that we're going through, It will pass. Lord, whatever lays before us, the difficulties, they too will pass. And we keep you before us through it all. And we wait for the great pleasure of meeting together with the saints of God and meeting with you, Lord Jesus. Oh, blessed God. Maybe some here tonight, Lord, just needs their joy restored. Lamb of God, I pray, pass by this way tonight, Lord Jesus. How many needs a little unction in your heart, a little restoration of your joy, just to touch at the Spirit of God in your life? Would you raise your hand to Him? Remember me, Lord. Remember me, Lord. As Fanny Crosby wrote it so many years ago, pass me not, O gentle Savior, while on others thou art calling, Lord, do not pass me by. We don't say it that way so much tonight for salvation because the majority of those of you tonight are saved. But if the Lord is handing out strength and the Lord is handing out refreshing and the Lord is handing out a fresh drink, I shall raise my hands tonight in the presence of God. I need a refreshing, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, I'm not ashamed to raise my hands in your presence and before these people and say, Savior, oh, Savior, do not pass me by. While on others, your Holy Spirit is falling. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hear my humble cry, Lord. Give me a refreshing, a renewing from the presence of the Lord. Oh, Lamb of God, if we've allowed anything to creep into our lives that's stolen our pleasure between us and you, 
Lord God, show us that we can have an altar of renewal, Father, I pray. Grant it, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Is there anyone here tonight that would just like to walk up front and say, Lord, I'd just like to have a little few moments of renewal. I'd like to just rededicate my heart, my life. You ain't lost. You ain't backslid. You ain't going to hell. I ain't talking about nothing like that. But you just like to have a renewal before his presence. Hallelujah. Don't pass me by, Lord. While you're dealing with others tonight, I know our altar's too small for everybody to come, but just you stepping out of your pew there, you're putting forth that effort. Praise the Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sing it for us, Harry. Let's just sing for just a minute now. Create this atmosphere. Brother Darrell, I want you to come up, buddy. Pray for the people, if you would, if you can make your way up. Let's just, let's just think about him now for a moment. That old blind beggar that day, that cold October morning as he got there late and he was sitting in the chill of the wind. No, nobody was coming through. The people had all, all passed through and he'd missed. But he heard a noise and he heard a crowd and he must have asked somebody, a kind person that had been with Jesus. He said, what's going on? And they said, Jesus is passing by this way. He'd done sacrificed his lamb. He didn't have no more lamb. But he said, if Bartimaeus will give his lamb to God, God will provide a lamb for Bartimaeus' eyes. Here he was a couple of hundred yards or so away from him. But there's so many people around him. How could he ever get through him? No doubt way more than what's here tonight. But he cried the cry of faith. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. The prophet of God said there was no way Jesus could have humanly hurt him. But it was a cry of faith. You don't have to scream the loudest tonight, but just from your little tender heart. Glory to God. Oh, Jesus, have mercy on me, Lord. Restore my joy. Restore my pleasure. I'm crying, Savior, Savior, hear my humble cry. Yes, Lord Jesus. Everybody with all your heart before we 
by Lord from the depths of our hearts tonight we cry unto you Lord oh God that you would restore the joy and the renew the refreshing Lord of your presence that intimate place with you Lord where we cry out to you where our hearts commune with you Lord and you answer back to the cry of our hearts, Lord Jesus. I pray tonight, Lord, for my brothers, and for my sisters, for my family, dear God, for those here in this altar, Lord, and those that would be streaming, God, at home, wherever they would be when they would hear this, Lord. May you hear the cry of our hearts tonight, Lord. May you would rain down upon us, Lord, like a refreshing rain of a time of renewing, Lord. That you'd bring back the new again. That you'd bring back the zeal again, Lord. The hunger of our souls, Lord, to cry out to a living God, Lord. Oh, Father, it's not riches that we need, Lord. It's not homes and houses and clothes and things that we need. But it's your favor, dear God, your presence in our home and in our hearts and in our lives, Lord Jesus. Lord, that it would keep our young, Lord. Oh, Lord, that it would move upon the middle-aged, dear God, that we could teach our children, Lord, and it would move upon the elders, Lord, in the golden seasons of our life, that we would be drawn closer to you, Lord God. Father, I pray tonight, Lord, as Fanny Crosby caught the unction of the Spirit, Lord, crying out, don't pass me by, Lord. You're what I need tonight. You're the answer, dear God, to the heaviness. You're the answer, dear God, to the oppression. You're the answer, dear God, to the, to the, to the spirit of this age, Lord, to, to bear upon the people tonight, Lord God. And Father, we pray, Lord, may you come now and minister to every heart, dear God. And Lord, may we receive a drink because we bring you a drink in the name of the Lord Jesus, Father. Oh, God, may we experience Pentecost, God, not as an emotion, Lord, or not as some doctrine, dear God, but in the reality of the living God that would move upon the hearts of the people, Lord God. Grant it tonight, Lord, here where we stand, we drive our stake down, Lord. We meet our giant, Father, and we slay him in the name of Jesus tonight, Lord. Oh, God, grant it, Lord, upon the, my brother and my sister, Lord. May there be a greater hunger, Lord, a greater desire, a greater zeal, Lord God. They come into the house of the Lord. Oh, to enter into your presence, God, to, 
to bake in the presence of the Son, Lord, to ripen into maturity as sons and daughters of God, to reflect you, Lord, we pray tonight. Grant it, O oh God, we pray. Forgive us, Lord, of our sins. Forgive us, Lord, of our shortcomings and our weaknesses, dear God. Lord, may we yield ourselves to that image that you had of us before the foundation of the world. As Adam came to himself, Lord, may we come to that ourselves, dear God, of what you had of us in your mind, Lord Jesus. Heal our sick tonight, Lord, we pray. Don't pass us by, Lord. We cry out to you in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Wow. Oh, 
pass me don't pass me by don't pass me That's all just a memory anymore I guess I took my eyes off you, Lord But I don't this callous feeling anymore Oh, please bring back the way it was before Go! Cool. 
a challenge But indifference turned me cold Made things stale, made a mold Now I've lost that happy song I used to sing It seems that I forgot The most important thing But I don't
need you, Lord. I need you, Lord, right There's a deep that calls unto the deep. Something in our hearts longing for more of God is the evidence that there's more of God for you to receive. There would be no thirst if there was no God to answer that thirst tonight. And the very thing that draws you here, that made you want to come, is the evidence that there's something here for you tonight. A provided lamb for everything we have need of. The prophet said Jesus Christ is the answer to everything we have need of tonight. Amen. In Him is our comfort, is our joy, is our peace, is our assurance. He's our healer. He's our deliverer. He's our physician. He's our friend. He's our bridegroom. He's our husband. He's, he's our sacrifice that we could go free. Amen. Amen. And we drink tonight because He thirsts. When He was on that cross, He cried, I thirst. And they, they went to give him something, but he wouldn't drink it. Because I believe perhaps he looked forward in time, knowing that you would bring him that drink. That you would bring him, that you would answer the thirst that was in him. As he answers the thirst that is in us. What a privilege it is to serve a living God and not a God of our imagination. But a God who, who hewed us out of the world. Who, who had us in his mind before there was a world. Who knew the color of your eyes, the color of your hair, knew your name. Waited for this hour to see that there, there's my boy, there's my daughter. There's what I had in my mind expressed on the earth. What a privilege it is, friends, tonight. Have you enjoyed the word of God? Amen. Something how the word can just search your soul out and thrill you and then sober you and just make us a better person. Amen. Yes. Sister Jenna had hurt her foot, had real bad pain and the Lord just healed her of it. It's completely gone. Amen. Amen. Let's just bow our heads. Go in the fear of the Lord this evening. Never forget what the Lord Jesus has done for you.
Heavenly Father, Lord, we just count it such an honor, Lord, to bow our heads in your presence, Lord, and in the company of your people that you purchased with your blood. And Lord, tonight we come, Father. We're not asking for a new car, a new home, popularity in the world, Lord. We're just asking for more of you. And Father, we believe that there's a desire in us for more of you is the evidence that there's more of you that we can receive. And Lord, as Caleb stood there that day, he realized that there was an inheritance for him. He cried out, give me my mountain. And Lord, we humbly ask you tonight to give us a portion of yourself that's allotted to us, Lord, in this day. Grant it, Lord, I pray. Go with your people, we ask now, Father. Make them safely home, Lord. May we meditate upon these things that we've heard, Lord. Father, once again, we ask you to strengthen our precious brother Donnie, Lord. Lord, he, he may not think he's, he's much of a preacher, but Lord, I sure do thank you for the gift that's in his life, Lord. I say it humbly, Lord, but we so appreciate God. That he can be led by your spirit, Lord, to speak to the very depths of our hearts, the things we have need of, Lord. We ask now, God, that you'd strengthen him, Lord. Restore his strength to him, Father, we pray. The songs and all that was done, may it be done for your glory this evening, Lord. And as we dismiss this congregation, but Lord, we never want to be dismissed from your presence. And oh God, as we see the world drifting further in darkness, there's the two paths before us, Lord. And to see the world drifting further into the path of darkness, may we, Lord, drift further into the path of light. Granted, oh God, we pray tonight. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you, saints, tonight. Go in the fear of the Lord. the best thing I've ever, ever done, falling in love with Jesus, falling in love with Jesus, falling in love with Jesus was the best thing I've ever done. Ever done.